And if you call like five law firms, most of them will probably respond like in some way that, okay, you need to spend $3,000 or $5,000 with us for us to do anything together. I wanted there to be an option of you can spend around $100 and we can start talking. And a lot of times when I initially talk with someone, I'm like, well, you know, let's do that. Like you can be on the membership for a month. If it's not working for you, no problem, no hard feelings. But actually, it is a way that you can start to engage with this stuff and see if you like us, if we like you, if it's something that's going to be helpful for you. Have you ever thought about turning your service business into a subscription? It can be grueling to deliver custom scoped work week after week, month after month. And some of us find ourselves thinking about how we can scale our business model and move into things like subscriptions, memberships, courses, and communities. This episode is about just that. I talked to my lawyer, Chris Valdheims, who started a subscription law firm many years ago with his business partners. I've been a member of Council for Creators for the entire time I've been in business. I've been really impressed with Council for Creators, both as a client of theirs, on their service, their delivery, their communication, but also from the business model side, where I see their duality of having a membership and also being able to add on services. If you've been thinking a subscription or membership model might be right for your business, you're gonna love this episode. Chris and I talk about where the idea for the membership came about, some of the ways that they've advertised and grown their membership, and why he thinks it's important for a creative law firm to be practicing creativity themselves. I'm Lex Roman. I empower creatives to make smarter marketing bets, and you're tuned in to the Low Energy Leads Show. Before we get into this week's episode, I just want to give a plug for the Low Energy Leads newsletter. If you don't already subscribe to the newsletter, I want to encourage you to find that link in the show notes and get on the list. We're going to be making some changes to the show in the next couple months, and you'll want to be notified about some of the cool events we have coming up, some of the new tools that are coming out. You'll get that all if you're on the Low Energy Leads list. I'm excited to talk about uh, your creative journey, but I want to start also with the law firm that you co-founded called Council for Creators and where that began. What, what, walk us back to the early days of C4C. What was that like? So it's kind of a roundabout path. I always tell people that my law school or law career is my second career. So before that, I was a designer. I made software. And at one point, I just wanted to try something new. So I picked, not randomly, but like with some intention, to become a lawyer because I, f I felt like there was a lot of stuff, you know, working as a creative professional, there's a lot of stuff I didn't understand. I felt like there's a lot of stuff that was happening under the surface that I'm like, I know there's some logic to this and some reason why this is all happening. I just don't know. And I felt like I was sort of at the mercy of things I didn't understand. So I went to law school. And when I was in law school, one of the realizations I had is, wow, all of this stuff that I'm learning about contracts and copyright and trademark and all this other stuff would have been so helpful in my creative career. And then the other thing I realized, but also, A, I never would have approached a lawyer, just it seemed too intimidating. And B, I never would have thought I could afford it. And nobody I knew felt, you know, felt like they could afford it or like it was accessible. So I thought to myself, okay, how can I make the stuff that I'm learning more accessible to people like me, in essence, or people that I know. And a lot of my initial clients were friends of mine who I worked with as a designer or a software developer. So um, it was kind of a natural transition. So Council for Creators came out of that, came out of that idea that I want to make this stuff accessible. And obviously financially is one way, but then make it less intimidating. 
a lot of a lot has changed since I started. So, you know, 10 years ago, there was no such thing as a lawyer, like almost no such thing as a lawyer not wearing a suit and dispensing advice hourly. Like that was pretty much the choice. So I'm like, there's got to be a different way. And so everything that we're doing kind of comes out of that initial impulse. And was the, did the legal membership, was that always part of the vision or did that come about later on? That came about later on. So it kind of grew out of feedback from working with people. So that happened maybe three years into Council for Creators. We started in 2013. Uh, 2016 is when we launched the membership. And that was what I noticed as kind of responding to problems that I was seeing, which was number one, people wanted an easy way to ask quick questions. And as I said, the kind of standard way of doing that is bill hourly, which creates this tension. So if you or I are, you and I are talking, you're looking at the clock as you should be. Like, I don't want this to go on too long because I don't want to be billed $200 instead of 100. That makes perfect sense. So I'm like that tension wasn't really working. I felt like everything was rushed and yeah, I guess it was not aligned interests. So I'm like, let's try something different. So I think at first what I did is I did like, you know, half hour blocks that people could schedule, but then I noticed there was a lot of repeat customers. So I'm like, well, let's make it into a membership. And a friend of mine, I had talked with him about this and he kind of knew stuff about that topic. So I basically built out what I think at the time was the first legal membership for creatives. There are other people who had done similar things or had tried it and it didn't work, but I'm like, let's make this actually go. So that was 2016. And what I like about it is it lets people just contact us. So if you need to talk for five minutes or half an hour or whatever, instead of going on the internet and trying to find answers and spending all this time, you can just call us. Like in, in one of the, you know, kind of origin stories I always talk about is I had a client who told me that she had spent the weekend trying to figure out this legal question. By the time it got around to Monday where she could ask me, I'm like, you don't have to do that. This was a five minute phone call. You know, this was like you could have been making something or just hanging out or something like that. And so, but I think because you have that, you had that kind of wall between lawyers, people's just natural and understandable reaction is I don't want to talk to a lawyer unless I absolutely have to, which ultimately makes things more expensive. Yeah. So that's the problem we were trying to solve. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been a, a member of your legal membership for at least three years now, I think. And yeah. it is, it yeah. is a real game changer in that way because before you would spend so much time researching things and trying to figure out, do you, do we even need to talk to a lawyer? And now it's like, you guys email me and you're like, you should talk to us. We haven't talked to you in a while. Mm -hmm. And it's a flip, yeah. it's a real flip in mindset to be proactive about legal issues in your business. Yeah. Proactive about legal issues and also understand like a big part of it is helping people learn this stuff because it's also about our clients understanding it. So it's not, I think with the old model of hourly billing, the more that you could get someone dependent on you to come back to you every time they have a question, that means more money. But with this model, it's more like if I can, you know, you come to me as much as you want, but if I can teach you in the intervening, like, hey, here's how trademark works or watch out for this when you're signing a contract, that's more helpful to you. And it's not based on you having this sort of dependent relationship. Like really, we're trying to make it so that every, anyone who's part of our membership is learning and gets better at this stuff and sees how it fits into the business overall. Yeah. And I, this is an interesting trend that we've been seeing in service provider land like over the last few years, which is like not done for you, but done with you, right? Or empowering mm -hmm. your clients to learn alongside you so that they're they're not dependent on you like with web designers for example for years it was like oh you need me to do everything on your website but now it's like web designers would prefer to walk away and empower you to do that 
So can you tell us like what's involved in the legal membership and how are people using that in their business? What's involved in terms of like features, which I'll talk about briefly because ultimately we know it's about benefits, but the features are ultimately you can schedule a call with a lawyer as often as you need to. You can send in documents to have us look it over. So if someone sends you a contract and you're like, I don't really know what this is or what this is asking me or you know what this all says, you send it in and we'll send you back notes. Like we'll review it and help help you understand what's in there. So that's kind of the feature, but the benefit is really just to have like a second opinion on this stuff, on any kind of legal stuff. Um, it's really to make it accessible, making people feel like just if you have a question, just schedule a call with us and, you know, on Tuesday we'll talk and we'll figure it all out together. And it's even kind of gone beyond that. You know, it's even a lot of my calls now. Um, yes, there's legal stuff, but some of the best ones lately have been, we get really into business stuff. We get really into, I've had, I had a conversation with someone about their long-term relationship and how it was involved in their business. Like that's not something I was trained in law school for, but because we have that time together and it's not like on the clock, that's, that was important to that person. So I wanted to make sure that I really heard it and understood and passed on anything I might've learned from my other clients or my own experience or anything like that. So yeah, what we're really trying to do is just create a place for people to engage with this stuff, Yeah, you know, and not worry about, uh, not worry about cost as much as they would have to before. Yeah, which enables you to to also be leading edge with stuff like AI. You held that discussion a couple months ago mm -hmm. about AI and the impact on your yeah. business as a creative and, and also hiring contractors or being a contractor, which is really important to be aware of those things. Like those things are rapidly changing, but you're not necessarily going to, you know, call a lawyer and pay hourly to understand that, right? But you will come to a discussion no. that they no. host. Yeah, you'll come to a discussion. And that's the other thing we try to do. Like, um, we haven't done any lately, but um, we're bringing that back where it's, you know, group discussions, because I think also it helps people to hear from other people, not just us. But then also, you know, if you're hearing from someone else who has a similar business to you, you can kind of get a sense of what are other people thinking about this or how are other people dealing with the same issue? You know, if it's, you know, if we're having a discussion about clients paying on time, that's something I think a lot of people can relate to. And there's a lot of different solutions. And that's the other thing with legal. There's not just one answer. I mean, there's sort of a framework around things, but I always tell my clients, like, if what I'm telling you doesn't work for you, or just you're like, I don't not feeling it, or it's not the way that I prefer to do business. That's fine. It's it. But then now it's an informed decision and it can be informed by me, but also by other people. Like you might actually resonate more with what someone else is saying than, than what I'm saying. And so we're just trying to create the space for that kind of thing to happen. Another thing that I think is so interesting about C4C is the way that you've like advertise the membership. So how do you get people into that legal membership? What are some of the ways that you've sort of gotten the word out about that over the last, what, seven years? So we run a lot, we've in the past have run a lot of paid ads, which works reasonably well. We've got a lot of, a lot of people come from Yelp, like we, we were on Yelp a long time ago. So I, I guess like we just come up a lot. So a lot of people come that way. Um, I write a lot on LinkedIn, um, on different social platforms. We have a uh, active TikTok, active Instagram. So social media has been interesting. And what we're really trying to do also for a lot of people who come to us is, again, the experience of a lawyer is often, if you call like five law firms, most of them will probably respond like in some way that, okay, you need to spend $3,000 or $5,000 with us for us to do anything together. I wanted there to be an option of you can spend around $100 and we can start talking. And a lot of times when I initially talk with someone, I'm like, well, you know, let's do that. Like you can be on the membership for a month. If it's not working for you, no problem, no hard feelings.
but actually it is a way that you can start to engage with this stuff and see if you like us, if we like you, if it's something that's going to be helpful for you. So in terms of like marketing and sales, it's almost like the ladder situation where you kind of have a, a more accessible thing and people can try it. You know, people can try it and see if that works. Because for a lot of people, if it's their first time engaging with a lawyer, they're not really sure what the experience is going to be like. Going back to what you said about um, like how you built this membership, tell me, tell me more about Yelp and ads. Like how did that, that is actually not a thing that we have heard a lot on this show in terms of where people are getting their business. So how, how did Yelp contribute a lot and what kind of ads were you running? It was so random. Um, it was one of those things early on. This was like in like 2014 or something. And I don't know, I think one of our lawyer friends like said, oh, do you guys advertise on Yelp? And I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing you could do. So I went and did it and just, we've been on there for so long. Like we have a bunch of reviews and people find us that way. And so it was never a conscious thing. And I think just honestly, it's pretty much on autopilot at this point. There's not much customization you can do. It's really just like what keywords you want your profile to show up under. So I think there's a lot of organic traffic, but then there's also a lot of paid traffic. And then, so for that paid traffic, really, we kind of lead them to a place where they can learn more about what we do. And then one of the options, you know, when you kind of look at that landing page is you need to talk to an attorney or is this all overwhelming or you kind of need just like, I need to know what the first step is, just join the membership and we'll kind of work from there. You know, that's always kind of the default answer. Some people come in and they're like, I want to build it. You know, I want to form an LLC. I'm ready to do that. Okay, cool. We, we got you. But for a lot of people, they're like, wow, I have no idea what to do. So we're like, try the membership, see if that works for you. When it comes to building the membership side of the business and and specifically like the different offers that you put together around trademarks, around formation of an LLC, different things like that. What are some of the lessons that you've learned over these last 10 years? Number one is for us to be proactive with people. So one of the things that I assumed in the beginning, which was an incorrect assumption, is people would come to me when they need something. And, you know, for instance, someone would just wake up one day and be like, you know what? I need a trademark. Let me go do that. Let me call them and do that. Some people do that. There's enough people who do that. Like we'll get people who will call us and you're like, yeah, I need a trademark. I'm ready to go. They've done the research. They know what it is. Um, but a lot of times I'll have a conversation with someone in the membership and they'll be like, oh, I'm starting a brand of candles or something. And I'm like, have we talked about trademark yet? No. Okay. Let's talk about that. I'm going to explain to you what it is. And then you decide when you want to do it. Now, you know, the value of it, you know, kind of how much it costs. You decide when to do it, like when you want to do it. Like, is that a priority for you? And I'll explain the value of this and that. Ultimately, people will do those things, but it kind of doesn't put them in a position where they feel like they have to do it right now, if that makes any kind of sense. And so it's really educating people on here's what you might need has been a big part of it. So a lot of when I'm working with a new client, it's just like, I'll ask them, do you have a trademark? Do you have an LLC? Do you have all this other stuff set up? Because they might not even know about that. So that's been one thing. Um, another thing is keep it simple. So I think as the business has grown, we do less and less. Um, but what we do, we do it a lot better. Um, so, you know, when I first started practicing law, I would do almost anything, you know, I, I did everything from like, I help people with wills. I helped, I, I, I went to court a few times to help someone with like a credit card debt. You know what I mean? Like whatever came in because I needed the money and I didn't really understand like the idea of, I guess, niching down and like building a really nice process around, like, we basically have like four or five things that we have a really tight process where and there's other things we'll help with. But in terms of like 80, 90% of what we do, it's all within these kind of like four or five areas. Have you been doubting yourself? 
Are you forcing yourself into shapes and molds that aren't honest to who you are? Is the male pale stale way of doing things holding you back? Then Glitter Bomb, you need shortwave. Uproar Coaching's on-demand coaching experience for high-achieving, overcommitted women and femmes who want to bring their whole, true, most colorful selves to the table every damn day. Inside Shortwave, friend of the pod and coach, Carrie Ginsburg is on standby to support you, gently call you on your BS, and celebrate the things that make you, you. When you want support to choose yourself unapologetically and unabashedly, and you don't want the constraints of scheduled conversations, Shortwave is there for you. What about with the membership, like in terms of, you know, was it easy to get people on board since it is kind of unusual to participate in a legal membership? Was it easy to get people on board? Let's say they came to you for an LLC or trademark and you're like, oh, and by the way, we have this legal membership. Did you find that adoption was really easy? At first, it may be a little bit difficult, but really the conversation we'd end up having is let's say that you came to me for an LLC. Like you're one of those people who's like, I need an LLC. I need a lawyer's help to get it done. But then you're like, you know what, I actually have other questions. Like, I liked working with you all. Like, I feel like I was heard. I felt like this was a good experience. And I do have other questions. I'm thinking of hiring my cousin or um, a friend of mine wants to invest or whatever. Things that don't quite fit into the scope of the project we're working on. That's the point where, where I'm like, well, the membership might be a good way for us to just continue the conversation. So it comes in, becomes like a natural flow from we did a specific project to now we can have this ongoing relationship. And I think that's like the ideal. So that's one way that it happens. And then, or the reverse, like I was talking about earlier, someone finds us and is like, wow, there's a lot of stuff. I have no idea what to do. Okay. Join the membership and we'll help you figure it out. Your process is super dialed in, right? Your website is very clear what you're providing. You were mentioning like the different focus areas. That's all on the website with the pricing and everything. And then when you're in your membership, you have like automated check-ins and there's, there's a process for everything. And so how did all those things come about? I mean, I think when my early days of the firm, I read a lot of books on business and the, and the message that kept coming up over and over again is turn things into a process as much as you can. And so that's where it came down to reducing what we're doing because yes, I could probably make a process for 20 different things, but ultimately it was like, well, what do most people want? They want a trademark, they want an LLC, they want a good services contract, um, they want to protect their copyright. Those are the kind of things that most people want. So we made essentially made a process around those. And then it also helps us, and I think this is good for any service provider, really set boundaries and expectations really well. Because all the process is an iterative thing that we developed from hearing back from people. So if you're doing a trademark with us, we're really like aggressive about sending emails saying a thing just happened, a thing just happened, the next thing will happen in three months. And you know, maybe, maybe you had got those emails where it's just, tells you everything that's going to happen because what we wanted to get away from is people being out there uncertain. What am I going to hear next? Or what's going on? Because trademark, for instance, is a long process. It takes like a year, you know, even that it's like, okay, let's put together emails for every event that happens and make sure they go out. And so, and it makes our life easier. And, it, and I think people just want certainty because, you know, with something like legal stuff, people don't really know what's happening and that's okay. So it's our job just to be like, we've, you know, we've, been through this, we can kind of show you what's happening. We can make sure that you feel like it makes sense, you know, otherwise it's, it's difficult. And one of the big complaints a lot of people have had about lawyers classically is not, there's a bad communication. So lawyers don't 
say what's going on or you'll email them and they won't respond. And so it's really just to make that stuff easy for us. You know, we use a lot of like uh, template emails. So, you know, even if someone's like, hey, like I'd like to talk soon, boom, template. Cool. Here's my link schedule with me on my calendar. What do you use to store all those templates and send them? So right now we're using Mixmax. We're moving software. And uh, and then we have other pieces of software that we use, like for things that are more automated or generated by some trigger, we use like autopilot. Um, so that's like if when someone joins our membership and then, you know, you talk about those reminder emails, a lot of those are actually automated. There's some like we do have a kind of system for going through and individually picking people we haven't heard from. But a lot of them are if I haven't seen a call on the calendar, send a message saying, hey, I haven't seen a call on the calendar from you for a while. Let's talk. And I'm curious, like, so you have a team, there's, there's three of you that are lawyers, right? At C4C, there's three. And then mm -hmm. you have other folks that work in the business. So do you keep some kind of like consolidated CRM with all of your clients in it? Or how do you keep notes across? Because when folks talk to different people on the team, how do you keep that all straight? So we do have a CRM, which um, emails get logged there. Notes of any calls get logged there. So you know, if someone's on the team and like, okay, what did Chris say to this person two weeks ago? Or um, when did we last talk to this person? Like it will put, there's a note of, we had a call November 17th and here's what we talked about. So all of it's in there and um, yeah, and it just makes it easy for anybody to see what's going on. Or even if I want to know, like, okay, let's want to check in, make sure that everybody's getting responded to. It's easy. I can just look in there and be like, okay, cool. It looks like it's happening. And it's actually funny. I was talking with Chung earlier today. Chung's my partner. Um, we were talking about how when we started the business, we had to be expert emailers. Like we had to be like on email responding to everybody. That's not our job anymore. We have like two brilliant assistants who just anything that comes up, they just handle it. And so we were just talking about like, it's actually a bad thing if him or I are going into emails and responding. Like we're micromanaging and we're getting in the way. So it's kind of an interesting evolution as a business owner when you get to that point of, I am not gonna respond to this email and actually I shouldn't. There's someone else whose job it is to do that and they're actually gonna do it better than me. You know, I do what I do well, but um, you know, maybe you've, you've had emails with Cindy or Sophia, both of them are much better at it. You know, they're, you know, detail oriented in ways that I'm not They're, you know, but that's what they're doing, you know? And so for me, it's, it was an evolution of like, okay, I'm no longer, I, but I made a system, you know? So I basically took what I learned from my experience and be like, okay, this is what works. This is what doesn't. So go ahead and do it. And then now what's even cooler is they go ahead and change it. They're like, this is the way you are doing it, but actually we have a better way and we're going to do it that way now. And I'm like, okay, as long as, and what we really try to talk about a lot is what's the intent, you know? So like, as long as it's meeting that intent, go for it. You know, the intent might be make sure that people feel heard or make sure that, you know, no one's kind of left in the dark. So whatever it takes to do that, I don't really care. We're always learning. And I think it's just, you know, as long as we're always trying to get better, it's okay. Speaking of getting better, you've been on a creative journey recently. You started a podcast this year? Yeah, it was in May, May of okay. this year. So we started yeah. our podcast around the same time. And you've also started a new newsletter for Hyper Memoir. You've been on a new creative journey. Can you tell us a little bit about what got you into that? Yeah. So I'd wanted to do a podcast for a long time. I have a whole other side project that I had been doing for a long time, which involved, um, and I think I was telling you before we got on, it involved my grandfather, who was an artist, and me discovering him as an adult. So I'm like, 
I wrote a book about it. It's not out yet, but then I'm like, I want to kind of, I had, there was so much material that I found and so much like side stories and other stuff. And I'm like, I want to find a way to share that with the world. Before, you know, the book isn't ready to come out yet, but there's a lot of pieces that I wanted to share with people. So I started the podcast with that intention. It actually kind of went in a completely different direction where I was more talking just about creativity and kind of inter the internal game of creativity because that's what I'd been going through. Like everything from perfectionism to imposter syndrome to, you know, how do you deal with like dark topics or whatever, just like talking about creativity. So that's what the podcast has been about, but it's really, I'm kind of moving it back now actually to telling that story, like kind of telling the story. And so for me, um, one of the things, one of my, I want to say ethos, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but ideas is that as a lawyer for creatives, it's really important to be a creative yourself. And so that was a, that's, I kind of established that as a creative outlet that I could consistently put something out. And I really like podcasting. I like coming on podcasts. I like talking um, and recording and seeing how that goes. And so that was like a real nice creative outlet and just doing it for without any kind of money involved. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but for me, it was just nice to have something where, you know, unlike with business, where I always have to think about, well, I have to make sure that we're getting paid in a certain way. Cause like, if you have a team, they need to get paid, all that kind of stuff happens to just have something where it's like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm really not accountable to anyone else other than my own kind of creative impulses. So that's what I've been doing. And so it's, it's a continuing thing. I try to do it every week, almost every week I put out a new episode and I even like that, you know, that kind of, cadence of, okay, if I'm committing to do it every week, that means that there's certain things I need to do. And there's a certain kind of consistency that can sometimes feel nice. You know, if you do it in, in the right way, I feel like. Another thing that we've, we've talked a lot about on this show is like the idea of like your public persona and how that like goes mm -hmm. alongside your business or, or assists in marketing your business. And so I'm curious how you're approaching sort of like amplifying the work that you're doing with hyper memoir and the book and things like that alongside your business like how do you think about those two things when it comes to for example social media or email marketing when i started the two ideas felt really distant so when i started even thinking about this when i and maybe like a year ago or whenever i started thinking about i want to do a podcast or i want to tell this story more publicly i was really like well how do i reconcile the two things and that was actually really i had to do internal shifts because my thinking was and again this is just kind of learned thinking from the way the industry was well on one hand if you're a lawyer how does that fit how does that persona fit with being a writer or telling these kind of personal stories and as i would sort of mix the two a little bit more i realized people really like that you know i realized that whatever division i thought of wasn't real like I will talk, I've talked with my clients about hyper memoir. They're listened to the podcast, you know, oh, that was really cool. The stuff you're talking about with perfectionism, because my clients are creatives. So what I'm going through and talking about, a lot of them can relate. You know, I have one client who is a, you know, pretty prolific podcaster and he'll give me tips about, Hey, you should try this or do that or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. You know? And that's like, that's during our membership calls. Like that's when I'm calling to give him legal advice. And he's like, Hey, actually I have a tip for you, you know? <laughs> so it's really interesting to see that. And that wasn't the intent that people actually relate better. You know, they're like, okay, cool. You're in the game too. I can actually trust you more. And that wasn't the intent. That was just kind of like what ended up happening. Yeah. It's tr It can be tricky though, to balance, like, as you're trying to figure out like, okay, so let's say you have a new podcast episode out or, or you want more folks um, doing reviews or doing, you know, subscribing to the newsletter and things like that. 
with things, other things that you might promoting? How do you sort of like manage those different streams on a very tactical level when it comes to like, okay, today I'm on LinkedIn. Am I promoting hyper memoir? Right. Am I promoting C4C? Am I promoting something else? Yeah, that's tough. That's what I'm actually like grappling with right now. So if I do have like an issue to solve, it's it's really that like, to what extent do I do each one? I mean, I'd love to be in a world where they just sort of support one another like very organically. And, and there actually is like kind of situation like that where, you know, and I haven't done this yet. I don't know why, but like where really like Council for Creators can be in essence a sponsor of Hyper Memoir because it already kind of is, you know, that's what enables me to actually have the time to do that. You know, so then they, they kind of connect and the topics are kind of the same. There's similarities and it's even trying to figure out like where do you as a person, you're like you're the niche in a way and you unite those two things. So just the, by virtue of you existing, those two things are united, but it's hard to express it sometimes. And so for me, I wake up some morning and I'm like, I want to talk about this. Other mornings wake up, I want to talk about this, but I'm trying to figure out a way to do it without giving like the audience whiplash. You know what yeah. I mean? If people even care, you know, like I could go super deep on trademarks one day and then the next day talk about like, you know, discovering stuff from World <laughs> War II. So how do I kind of do that without it being like, what is this guy yeah. doing? You yeah. Know? So, but, but I, but, but I think what I do is I just try to get the reps in, you know, I think that's where the consistency helps is to learn. Okay. Okay. This, this is working. This isn't working. Um, it's, in, it's interesting, but, and, you know, I think ultimately then it also kind of comes down to segmentation. Um, what I like is like, I like an Instagram that you can have multiple accounts, for instance. So, you know, people who are interested in hyper memoir, they can just go to that account. You know, if they're interested in legal stuff, they go to the Council for Creators account. That way, you know, there isn't so much whiplash. And so I think multiple accounts, LinkedIn is different because that's typically, you know, you as a person. So, and it might, you know, so again, you kind of, I, I try to find what's the principle that unites it. And I think it's really about, you know, the kind of mantra that I have is about making things real. Like, you know, so whether that's internal, like how do you take something that's inside you and bring it out creatively? And then once you've done that, then now how do you turn it into something that is going to sustain you or turn into a business or turn into a, a movie or whatever? That's where the legal stuff kind of comes. So there is like a, there's a bridge between the two. Chris, if you could give one tip to our listener about connecting with their best clients or their best audience, what would it be? There's obviously, you know, creating a, a persona of who it is you can help. But then I think it's also, I mean, the more I've gone in business, it's more about who can I make a good emotional connection with? So it's not even about the services, but it's like, who do I feel like I want to work with? And who is going to get the most out of it? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like legal services might be the same across the board, but we want to make sure that we have sort of um, an understanding because, what I've really learned, it's about when I get on the phone with someone, I want to like the person I'm talking to. And, you know, in the early days, that wasn't always the case. I would have a lot of people. I'm like, oh, man, this person is argumentative. They're mean. They don't understand anything. Um, and those are, you know, and I think it's really about also being able to hold those boundaries and say, hey, actually, we might not be a good fit for you. And there might be someone who's perfect for you, but it's not us. So I think. It's really about finding out who is it that I really want to work with and who I can benefit the most, because that's the only way you can create a good experience, which is ultimately what it's about. You know, what we really look at at the end of everything is what are people saying in reviews? I always say this, this is like the currency of, of our law firm is what do people say in reviews? What do they say in internal feedback forms? You know I mean? I think you probably got a ton of those where every time we talk to someone, we send them a feedback form, say, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? 
because that's what tells us if we're on the right track, if we're working with the right people. What else is coming up for you? What should folks look out for from you? I would say this. I mean, you know, one of the cool things like I've been sort of alluding to is I think the way lawyers are, there's a lot are now is a very different from how it was in the past. And, you know, even what we're trying to do is expand the definition of what a lawyer is, you know, so it's not just like fill out paperwork and give me advice on things, but really like being a good business confidant. You know, like I said, I, I've talked with people about, hey, I'm doing this business and I have this long-term relationship, so I don't know where I'm going to be living kind of situation. Or, you know, so how do I need to think about that? Um, or just talk, you know, I've had conversations with clients about like who are like deathly afraid of putting something out. And we've had conversations about like, well, here's kind of maybe how you can break through that or my other, how my other clients have done it. So really expanding the definition of what a lawyer is, you know, the thing that we'll get a lot is, well, I don't need a lawyer right now. I'm not getting sued. And I'm like, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't fly like, right. So like, but that's my job to convey that message in a way that people are like, okay, cool. I get what you're saying. It's a, it's a, it's a different world. And there's a lot of, you know, whether it's us or someone else, there are a lot of lawyers out there who I think are working really hard to be different, you know, like really kind of bring in whatever community community they're part of or whatever really is important to them. So I really encourage people to look around, you know, like find three, four, five lawyers, follow them. They're on social media. They're um, they're all over the place. And, you know, so it's not it's no longer the old days of like, you know, a grid of men in suits telling you what to do. You know, it's like there's all kinds of people out there. And I'm, and that's one of the coolest things that's happened in the last 10 years since I've started. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your journey with us. Yeah, love the conversation. Thanks for having me. The Council for Creators Legal Membership is what inspired me to create Growth Trackers. I had never really seen a membership style business the way that Council for Creators works. I thought it was so cool how they had taken things that were previously a la carte things that you would pay by the hour and turned them into a membership. It was just such a great mix of value where as a client, you're getting way more value than you would get from a pay by the hour law firm. And from the business side, it makes sense because you build a loyalty with your subscription base where when they need additional services, they're of course gonna come to you. As I have many times. Chris also has his own podcast and newsletter. It's called Hyper Memoir. I'm gonna link it in the show notes. You should definitely check that out if you're also developing your creative voice and if you wanna follow his creative journey. He's got some pretty cool projects he's cooking up, so you'll wanna get on his newsletter and keep up with his work. On that note, I wanna encourage you to get on the Low Energy Leads newsletter. If you're not already on there, I'm sharing different stuff there than I share here. We're about to make some changes to the podcast. As I mentioned before, gonna be doing more live streams. I'm planning to share more templates and off-the-shelf grab-and-go tools that you can use. So you'll wanna get on that list if you're interested in that kind of stuff. I'm constantly keeping in my mind how I can make it easier for you to build a client base. And that newsletter is the center of where I share that stuff. If you like this episode, you're going to want to stay tuned next week where I'm going to talk about some of the lessons that I've learned building my own membership business. Growth Trackers is my membership, which launched about a year and a half ago. And I'm going to share some of the things that I did really well early on, some of the things that I've learned and recovered from along the way, and some of the things I wish I had done differently. Stay tuned right here for that episode. Until next time, keep that energy low until you know the value is going to be high.